On this episode, we have Gerard from Racketer Sense and Lores, um, one of our friends. The Great skin. product, yeah. Skeen. 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 Uh, we talk about we talk about how the season went. We talk about um, you know the ups and downs of hunting. We talk about his product. We talk about the one that I really wanted to get on. I used a rut his rut pack last year, yep. and he walks us through the steps you should take with that stuff. You know, it's not just everyone thinks it's one of those things where you you know you just spray it in the air, which I'll admit I was that before starting this whole podcast. I was like, oh, I spray this in the air, and I'm going to have a buck come right into me. Yep. No, that's not how it freaking works, guys. Uh-uh. Listen, you got to put the work in. you got to put it in the right spot, and then you have the chance at the buck. It's not just going to happen. You know, it. you got to put the work in. you got to find the buck. you got to find where they're at. I've used um, his pre-orbital, which I need to get more of that. Um, I used that on a lot of licking branches that I've had that I found used up in the cabin um, down here on public land. Um, you could say I'm tinkering with tinks. <laughs> tinkering <laughs> to, with tinks? Um, to put that in because um, I wanted to try other things too. Um, but I like his pre-orbital stuff. I will say that. I like his pre-orbital. But yeah, I mean, you've used a scheme more than anything. I love fishing stuff. It's a little a little easier than the whole trying to get a buck to come in. You just throw it on your hook, yeah. you throw it in the water, and you're catching you a fish. You don't have to scout those. You yeah. don't got to scout I them. mean, you Look. can scout fish. You can. <laughs> oh, you yeah. can scout them. You, you know, you go out the day before, like, okay, there's some fish here. I'm going to come here the next day. Yeah. And then you get there, and there's three other guys standing there. It's like, well, fuck, someone else was yeah. scouting this area. There goes too. my fish. Yeah. yeah. Um, but all in all, Gerard's an awesome guy. It was a great conversation. You know, he he had he got a great buck this year. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Go Wild. Uh, follow our YouTube page. We will be joining Carbon TV. So if you want to watch us on that, we'll be joining Carbon. I don't know. We're we're getting more and more on stuff. It's yeah. like losing track yeah, of everything. I, I, I think I need to start making notes now. Jesus, I think we're gonna have to. Um, yeah, but just just follow along with us. If you listen on Apple or Spotify, give us a rating. Or review that's really appreciated yes um it helps us gain more listeners it helps us reach more people more guests come on all that kind of good stuff yeah, anyway aren't remember aren't you to always keep hunting keep fishing and keep your tradition enjoy the freaking episode guys yeah <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. You look like a big arm. No doubt about that. Deers. I would still brag if my dough weighed more than your dough. And beers. We're going to find out how low morals you have. Okay, but I have a quick question. When you describe hunting to someone, it sounds boring as heck. We are both in Coral Club, not about the big bucks. Like that Miami PA plotter, you mark Wayne, double speech taxidermy. Josiah Nantlerad, Travis Melogic. Sega. Jason Green, the host of the Conservation Filter Podcast. When you're out there hunting, the only good hunting is the one everybody comes home from. Keep hunting, keep fishing, and keep your tradition. This is the Backcountry PA Podcast. So, right off the bat, thanks for coming on the podcast here again. Thanks, for, you were on episode forty. For the listeners who haven't heard who you are or what what's your what your company is, um, pretty much tell them a synopsis of how you got into hunting and about racket or sense. I started racket about eight years ago. Uh, I had 
relationship with people in the industry. Started helping them a little bit, and I never really was on social media before when it comes to the business. And once I got on social media, things got rolling, and I had a lot of experience and been using scents and lures for many, many years, so it was something that I just decided I would get into. I had had 21 years at that time on the fire department, uh, 20 years on the fire department at that time, and I knew that I would be retiring at 25, and I needed to get into something that would really help me enjoy my retirement, but keep me going with money and other things like that. So the name Racket or Sense is a unique name. Um, it has a unique logo, mm -hmm. and it seems a lot of people like it, and I guess it draws people to it. Uh, along with the products, obviously, that I make myself. Uh, yeah. I was lucky enough to grow up in a in a family that hunted and fished. And I also grew up in the biggest city in New Jersey, which is really unique for my area. You don't really get a lot of guys that hunt and fish in some of the bigger cities. You know, it's few and far between. Even though I did have some friends that fished and, and hunted, and you know, but there was it was few and far between. Right. Mm -hmm. So I got you know the city life experience, but I always had that that want to be in the woods where my grandfather, you know, he him and his brothers they picked this up many many years ago. They came over. Uh, their father came over in 1906, and he had a bunch of friends that were into hunting that were already, you know, in America, and they picked up on it as kids, and they had hunted through their whole lives. Man, 1906. Yeah. They, Jeez. They, they came over in 1906 from Italy, and then his uh, his father got, had, you know, met a lot of people, and people that actually hunted in, I guess, the mid to, you know, that, that era right there, maybe 19. 1920s yeah and as my grandfather and got older they kind of picked up on that from their friends from his father their father's friends which would be my great-grandfather and uh they picked up from their friends and they hunted and fished their whole lives and as we as my grandfather had you know my mother and another daughter uh my cousin's four years older than me eddie ponzini and he fell right into that and being four years older you want to be like your older cousin I didn't have an older brother, so my older cousin was like my older brother. And we spent a lot of time with my grandfather learning how to hunt, fish on the Jersey Shore, trout fish out in Hunterdon County. I mean, we, we really had it the best of both worlds. We grew up in the city, and we always had that escape to get out in the woods. And it was a really unique experience, and it's something that we never lost. We just really went crazy with it as kids right on through into my 50s now. I'm still crazy about deer hunting. I'm still getting antsy about opening day trout. I can't wait till turkey season. You know, it's it's just a fun life, and I'm enjoying everything about it. Uh, the hardest thing about owning the business is that I can't get to other states to hunt like I used to. You know, I've, yeah. I've been mm -hmm. able to, and was fortunate enough in my younger years to get to Utah, to get to Idaho, to get to Illinois, Virginia, Maine, New York, Pennsylvania. I own property in New York for many years. So I've been fortunate to be able to do a lot of hunting in other states but once i started the business it really killed that it really hurt that i mean yeah with the and business you know, that, that's what you gotta do and, right and you guys know that a lot of guys wait till late july august september to start getting their bows ready yeah. and those guys those guys i don't i don't envy them at all that's just a nightmare and it's a constant you know bow after bow after bow after bow it's that's tough that's tough um, I'm not Batman. I get a little <laughs> bit more time to hunt than those guys do. Yeah. And, and I, like I said, but I definitely, the, the timing 
of the hunts that you want to do on maybe during the rut or stuff like that i just can't do i'm just way too busy yeah. um but that being said it's like i just it, it it kills the amount of time that i have to hunt out of state i don't have that time i'm making deer lure i'm getting all kinds of you know conversations with people and i don't have people that work right with me you know it's i just do everything myself my son runs my website my other son will help me get stuff ready and my wife and label stuff and all that kind of stuff other than that it's just me yeah and a lot of people probably people look at the business from the outside and they're like oh it's a big business because they see the number of followers it's, it's just not a big business yeah it's i mean a small you, mom and pop business and and i, I want to keep it that way i enjoy it being that way yeah you've really like how many stores are you in now all together uh, you know, my wife asked me that question yesterday. <laughs> I am now in 14 locations in New Jersey. Okay. Six locations in Pennsylvania. I'm looking to expand to two or three more. Um, and also one now in New York that'll be picking up the deer lore and all that stuff come. Awesome. Probably yeah. August. Yeah, you're so always. It's, about, it's up to 20 at this yeah. point. But I'd like to be in between. I'd like to get to about 24, 25. And, and then I'm kind of at my limit. At right. That point. Yeah, I feel like you're always on the road. Like every time I get on Instagram and I see a new post from you, it's always like restock this place, restyle. Mm-hmm. I was like, this man is never home. <laughs> He's always <laughs> driving somewhere. <laughs> Listen, I, 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 it's it's not my thing to travel all the time and, and go from store to store, but I've just been doing it. I want to expand my business. You guys probably heard, you know, last year, New Jersey killed a bear hunt. Yep. Yep. New, Jersey, New Jersey killed the urine-based lure usage, which really hurt my business. Um, it's hard not to sell your best products in your home state. Yeah. So the way I can do it now is to get my urine-based lures, which my company is based off of, yep. in PA and into New York where I can sell those products, where I know they work great. And, and you know, I've had experience using them there and all that kind of stuff. And it's just it's a little frustrating when I think that they make major mistakes with the New Jersey fishing game. I don't think that they would... I think this state is pretty much worried about the dollar rather than yeah. the year. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I was going to ask you about that to see, you know, uh, what your thoughts on uh, the the bear hunt in Jersey, how, why they got rid of that. And, I mean, obviously you don't like it, but what, give us your thoughts on that. You know, killing parts of my business I'm not going to like, especially when it took me eight years to get it as far as I've gotten. Yeah, yeah. You know, you put a lot of time, effort, and thousands of hours into Instagram and social media, and then you kill 65% of my business in mm-hmm. one year. Yeah. You killed 50% with the urine-based lures and 15% with the killing the bear. Yeah. And, you know, then you say to me, okay, well, you can use synthetics. Well, I'm not going to get 65% of my business back with just selling synthetics. Yeah. That's not how... That's not how it works, you know. And and it, you know, I I called them up and voiced my opinion, and I'm sure they didn't appreciate it. But they were <laughs> they were they were okay with me telling them that they hurt my business. They were like, no, we understand. We're really sorry. Well, we didn't realize. Like we didn't realize. It's I don't believe in the reasons why they did that. Yeah. I've been using urine based lures since I'm 12 years old on the same properties for 40 years. I don't see any deer dead. I don't see any problems with that. So no one's going to get me to believe their nonsense. Right. This isn't they're acting like that. Sorry, I get political, but it's going to happen. They're, they're acting like that. I'll, I'll, I'll bleep those names out so we don't get like censored on <laughs> iTunes or Spotify. Yeah, yeah, listen, when it gets to that, I get a little hot, so you know, I'll try and stay away from the politics part of it. It's all good. It's, that's that's yeah. okay. <laughs>
This is Backcountry PA News with your host, Mr. America. Hello and welcome back to Backcountry PA News. My name is Mr. America. Got some really good articles about some really good creatures out there in the wild this week. Let's get into it. So the first one comes from mossyoak.com. This one's about a truly fascinating discovery, and it was right here in Pennsylvania. Biologist Mary Jo Casalania was out doing a study on wild turkeys, and she noted that if turkeys survive their first year, their total lifetime will range from an additional one to three years. So any turkey that lives past four years old would be an exceptionally old bird. However, while they were doing some trapping and uh, doing some continued study on the health of birds in PA, they discovered a turkey hen that was living past all of the odds at 12.5 years old. The hen had first been trapped for a study back in 2012, and the PA Game Commission was taking a look at the effects of fall season length on hen harvest rates. So the the wild conservation officer, Chris Ivichik, remembers the day when this hen was first trapped. He said it was a cold, dreary day. There were seven birds present and five were trapped. They had two transmitters. And uh, because of all five of the hens were determined to be healthy, they simply fashioned the transmitters to the first hens caught. And then the be- the bird of notable age was the third hen. So it just missed getting a transmitter. Um, all of the hens captured that day were determined to be at least 1.5 years of age and were adult hens. There's a form here on the article website. It's really cool. It shows kind of how they, they track and mark down Uh, the hens that they capture in these kind of studies. And then if we come forward to uh, 2022, uh, Mary Jo is leading a project on hen population dynamics, so nest success, nesting rates, uh, predation rates, poult survival, uh, just a few of those. And the now game warden, Krisovicic, and the turkey trapping crew uh, captured the hen this February. Of course, he didn't recognize it. And the the people there helping him said that the hen looked so good that they decided to put the transmitter on her. So this is a four-year hen study, and they thought that this hen was closer to three or four years old. And that's how good she looked. So they noticed the band on the leg, didn't make the connection. They got Mary Jo to tell them what year that the tag was from. And she said, yep, this bird is at least 12.5 years old. So they put a transmitter on her uh, due to the anomaly. They're going to check out her travels and if she's able to produce an entire clutch this year. They say that it's probably not very likely given her age, but who knows? At this point, anything is possible. The record for oldest turkey is held by a 15-year-old eastern gobbler in Massachusetts. In 1992, a fisherman discovered the relatively new carcass of its body and called the number on the tag and the turkey had been banded over 13 years prior in 1979 making it the oldest wild turkey known to research and there are one or two others 
that are about 12.5, 13 years old. So this, this turkey is now one of the oldest turkeys living uh, in, the, in the nation ever, according to research. And if it leaves for another year or two years, it will be the, the oldest turkey that we've known. This next one comes from rmef.org. Wolf complaints increasing in Wisconsin. Despite a wolf hunt that removed 218 wolves from the landscape in the fall of 2021, there was a slight uptick in the number of verified wolf conflicts in Wisconsin from the previous two years. So the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources verified 108 of 182 report incidents with cattle, horses, sheep, dogs, and other animals related to wolves. Ranchers and farmers claim raising livestock and maintaining their way of life is more difficult because of wolves. So for the Department of Natural Resources 2020-2021 Wolf Monitoring Report, it estimates a population of 1,126 wolves, including 292 packs. And that count came before the fall of 2021's wolf hunting season, but Wisconsin's state management plan calls for 350 wolves statewide outside of reservations. And in California, they restored federal protections to gray wolves in the lower 48, including uh, the Great Lakes region in February 2022. So this article comes from the, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation.org, as I said before, rmef.org. And the president and CEO of the foundation says that scientists, biologists, and professional wildlife managers agree that wolf populations are stable and growing, and so they should remain under the umbrella of state management since state wildlife agencies successfully manage all other wildlife in line with the North American wildlife conservation model through regulated hunting and trapping. So this is another one of those things that we're probably going to come back and we're going to see a little bit more in the future but for now uh, the more complaints coming from Wisconsin and maybe a few other states about gray wolves the population increasing we'll see what happens this next one comes from penlive.com more doe licenses this year PA game commission decides so for the 2022 2023 hunting license year we're going to bring up the antlerless deer tags from 925,000 to 948,000. The increases are designed to remove more doe to reduce the deer population or hold it stable. And that'll be felt mostly in the northern units of the WMUs. The only reduction to be made in a WMU will be made in the north central part of the state. They will drop from 9,000 to 6,000. That's going to be in Cameron, Clearfield, Elk, Jefferson, McKean, and Potter counties, but only certain parts of those. So if you want more information, I highly recommend that you go and check this article out or go and look on, uh, on PA.gov to take a look at what they have, uh, what the Game Commission has up there. On elk licenses, the board voted to reduce that number from 187 to 178 last year, 
This is a short article. It's packed with lots of good stuff. Recommend you go check it out. And I do recommend that you subscribe to penlive.com. They have some really good articles on there, especially about things that are happening in Pennsylvania and even the outdoors. We've read plenty of articles from them, and we've got another one coming up. This next one comes from Q1065.fm. This is Maine's number one new country radio station up there in Maine, and they're reporting on new Maine any deer lottery system that will go into effect for the 2022 season. So there are some big changes that they've been reviewing up in Maine for deer hunting, and they finally finalized it. It's cleared the Senate and the House, and it's going to the governor's desk to be signed. The whole idea of this any deer lottery and the changes that they've made will have hunters enter the any deer lottery for free. And then if selected for a permit, a $12 fee will be charged for an antlerless deer tag. Now, I personally like this way of working. You can apply for free and then you pay once you've been approved. And then the fee will need to be paid prior to a set date. Additional tags in WMDs that have extra doe tags available will then be available for purchase, similar to how expanded archery permits can be purchased in Maine currently. And then hunters can only purchase one additional tag at a time. The antlerless tag must be filled before another can be purchased, and they're not allowed to trade or swap them. One of the things that I think is really cool about this is, yes, you have to make sure that you filled out and cashed out on a tag prior to buying a new one but you can actually go and buy them over the counter then so like i said this has already been approved by everyone in the government except for the governor up in maine so we'll wait and see if this holds true through that signing process and the last article that we have today comes from penlive.com Nearly a 1,000 acres of land across Pennsylvania will be added to the Pennsylvania Game Commission's system of state game lands through acquisitions approved recently by the Board of Game Commissioners. The largest purchase is a 288-acre tract in North Bethlehem and West Bethlehem Townships, Washington County. This is a cool one because the land was donated, but it also has a lodge on the property and it is going to be maintained in its current condition according to the terms of the donation. There is also a 278-acre tract adjoining State Game Lands 91 in Bear Creek Township. That's in Luzerne County. And that was offered by Natural Lands for $42,000. Two more tracts that total 192 acres. Uh, Natural Lands offered to donate a 158-acre parcel adjacent to State Game Lands 145 in Londonderry and West Cornwall Townships in Lebanon County and Lancaster County, a 54-acre tract adjacent to State Game Lands 281 in Miller Township in Perry County was offered as well, and then a 4.5-acre tract uh, within State Game Lands 87 in Bell Township in Clearfield County and a one-ninth interest in a 39.76 Lola Woodring Estate property adjoining State Game Lands 311 in Benezet Township in Elk County. This interest was purchased at an auction in 2021 for 24963 which was donated to the Keystone Elk Country Alliance. The commission now owns five-ninths interest in the property.
So almost a thousand acres of land across Pennsylvania added to the PA Game Commission state game lands. This is exciting, especially for people that are new to hunting or want to get out and experience hunting with others. Uh, it can be a little daunting to go up and to get permission from different landowners to hunt on their land. Some people are very comfortable with it, and some people really prefer hunting on the state game lands. I think with the increasing hunting population and the increase in antlerless doe tags, I think it's going to be a real benefit to have the state game lands added and increase the amount of area that people can hunt on publicly. I'm really excited for this upcoming season. So now it's time for an animal fact. This one comes from GuinnessWorldRecords.com. The oldest deer ever recorded was Bambi, a hand-reared Scottish red deer owned by the Fraser family from Kitterliddy in Bewley Highland, UK. Bambi was born on the 8th of June, 1963, and died on the 20th of January, 1995, at the age of 31 years, 226 days. Uh, so to, to compare, most deer in the wild live for about 10 to 20 years. Of course, here in PA, a deer that's 10 years old is a pretty much ancient, given the way that we have hunting here. So I figured that I would talk about the oldest deer since we talked about some of the oldest turkeys. I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of Backcountry PA News. Remember to stay safe and keep your tradition. They made a major mistake with the bear problem. You know, there's yeah. already been some incidents where, you know, animals are getting killed up in Sussex County and, and the areas where a lot of bears are. I live in Hunterdon. We don't have as many bears yeah. in our areas, but they're, encro- they're encroaching into, the, into these areas because they're starting to mess. They're just going to start, you know, Sooner or later, the state's not going to be handling all the bears that we have. You're going yeah. to have to, sooner or later, have a bear hunt. It's going to have to happen. Hopefully nothing tragic happens, mm-hmm. but you got people living close to bears, and sooner or later, something's going to happen. And I think they learned their lesson the first time, which is why they did it. And, you know, the liberal agenda was to kill the bear hunt, and mm-hmm. that's bottom line what it is. The liberal agenda was to kill the bear hunt for whatever reason. Yeah. I, I You know, their reasoning is not reality it's just that's what they want to do well yeah and, they're cute cuddly animals why would you want yeah. to kill them <laughs> listen it, it, you know there, there's these guys that have been hunting bears for years they've run into nothing but protests nothing to, from people giving them crap when they're checking in their deer and all kinds of stuff and signs and they bring their little kids to do it with signs the kids don't even know what they're doing they're yeah. just out there with the parents because the parents drag them out there and it looks good in a nice photo op you know, it's it's it, this is a political state. It's a blue state, and it's it's tough. Yeah, it's really yeah. tough for for a hunter knowing that you're paying so much for all this stuff, and they're canceling stuff. You you spend thousands of dollars on creating products that work really well, right, in mm-hmm. the state, and then it gets canceled in the swipe of a pen. Yeah. So before we get to the products, how was your season this year? Everybody's season varies. I had a good season this year. Yeah. Um. I didn't shoot the big monsters that I would have wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, my area has got a ton of hunters, and everybody's hunting the same deer, you know. So, I, with my amount of time, if I could shoot a good two and a half year old eight pointer, I strive to shoot that at least every year. Obviously, owning a business, 
I can't go out there with a little six-pointer smile with a bottle because they'll laugh at you. Yeah. So I, I, I'm under more stress, not only to get the products out to guys and all that kind of stuff, but also to get out and get a deer myself. Mm-hmm. And, and to show guys that I am just like you. I'm no one special because I own this business. I put my pants on the way everybody else does. I can shoot an average eight-pointer. I can shoot a nice buck. This is what I do. I've been doing this for years. I, I put one or two or three bucks down every year in the state. Yeah. I'm lucky enough to be able to take a few, but I've always tried to make it a decent buck. Really kind of zoom in on some early season bucks and mm-hmm. try and spend some time early season and get my first buck down, and then I could kind of relax, uh, wait for trout stocking for a fall trout, and then I'll get out and trout fish, and then as soon as I get my next tag, I'm out there right back on the box chasing around as much as I can. Now, what is, what what's the jersey tags like? Like how because you say wait for your next tag. So, right? Do you once you get one buck down, you got to wait a certain amount of time before you can go back out again, or how how does that work? In my zone, okay. In zone ten, in zone ten, you have to take a dope before you can take a buck. Okay, all right. Okay. Now, if you choose not to do that, you can start on October first. But if not, you can start like September eleventh would be opening day this year. Okay. I got to shoot a dope. And then I'm eligible to shoot a buck right after that. Okay. And then once once that passes, you take your buck, you get a permit that you can buy over the counter like November 24th that week. Or maybe it's a little earlier that you get your permit. I'm, I'm sorry. It's it's uh, like October, I guess you can buy your permit. And then okay. permit season will come in the end of October, around the 26th, 27th of October. And you're able to get a second buck with the buck. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right, so Jersey is a multi-buck state. Huh. It's beyond, It's probably a little bit over the top, because then you can get into a muzzleloader, get one with the muzzleloader. You can go out shotgun week. You can shoot two bucks with the shotgun week. Wow. You're up to five bucks. Then you think you can hunt winter bow and maybe get another one. It's it's kind of overkill. I would, I, I, would, I would hope we would change that in the future. See, because I... I, I... I've been looking at a lot of states recently because now Ethan and I have a great opportunity to hunt out in Illinois in December. Um, so we're going to be going out there for archery. But I've also looked in the other states, like Alabama, for example. You can shoot six buck in a season. But like Jersey, they do have big buck down there. But it's just a matter of where you are and how much time you put in to find that oh, buck. That, oh, that's definitely... It doesn't matter where you are. Um, I think a lot of guys nowadays in Jersey are have fallen on the side of yeah we'd like to preserve more and we'd like to have bigger bucks and mm-hmm. I think guys are being more selective in the state which kudos to them because it wasn't always like that for many many years I like I said I've, I've seen the transition not only with weapon but with deer hunting and the amount of time you have to hunt and this is when they say the good old days of hunting in New Jersey they're right now they've yeah. been for the last 15 years once I think it's 12 years we're hunting in September once they started September hunting these are the good old days of deer hunting. You, yeah. you, you can enjoy yourself from September into February. If you're, you know, it, it's also too long of a season. Mm-hmm. If deer needs some time to rest, I, you know, I would say, hey, you know, second week of January, shut it all down. But that's what I would do. But I think it's too long of a season because you're just stressed out so much in February. You know, you don't, you want them to be less stressed and mm-hmm. live a nice, healthy life and grow bigger deer and grow bigger if it's bucks. But, you know, it's, it's a long season. It's a great state to hunt in. There are a lot of big bucks that get through, and I, like I said, I think a lot of guys have become selective, mm-hmm. and they're they're more trying to shoot bigger bucks. It's not everyone, but yeah. you know, everybody's entitled to do what they they want to do. And for right. me, in my business, 
I obviously want guys to take beer because I want them to buy products. Yep. But mm-hmm. I don't want to. I, I want to see a healthy herd throughout our state. You know, throughout really all the states, that the best herd that we can have. And I think maybe putting some antler restrictions in certain areas would work really well. And uh, maybe cutting down, you know, a few weeks the hunting season out of out of February for sure. And uh, you know, guys are shooting does. They may shoot a buck by mistake that lost its horns. What, yeah. what good is that? Right. That exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. That, that's my biggest problem with that. Like, you know, you'll, you'll have some early drops that you can't help. But February, they're mostly dropped. A lot of them are dropped. You know, you have some lingered at longer, but they're still mostly dropped yeah. in February. So why have a season in February? Yeah, you got to be uh, got to be a little crazy, I think, to be even out there in February. Like, there's, as we go through Janu- late seasons, January, like Martin mid. Luther King Day is the last day here. And yeah. right. there's times right. I've been out, and I'm like, I hate myself. Why am I outside? Mm-hmm. It is freezing. <laughs> I don't even want to be here. <laughs> so I, I can imagine I, I, February. I, I look at the January hunt as it's like early season. They're, they're hungry. You're able to bait in New Jersey, which definitely gives you an edge during that time of season. Mm-hmm. I've shot two really nice bucks in January, January 7th and January 10th. Two really nice eight-pointers, big bucks, and, you know, it's a great time to hunt. It, it really is. But once you get into that middle to later part of January – it stresses out the deer too much, and, and I just want to get ready for the next year. I'm already so hunted out from September and really going heavy with the business from the middle of July, trying to get products to the stores. And you know, Now I'm going to be double as busy because of all the stores I got in, in PA and New York. Yeah. And I actually picked up a couple more in New Jersey. It's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's going to be a unique year coming up. Yeah. You, so, oh, sorry. Yep. you said you could shoot oh, your opening day is in September, if you shoot a doe first. Yes. Their bucks, they're still in velvet? Still at that point of year? We had one one year where we actually started the, the first Saturday in, in September. It was only one year. And that year I shot one in velvet. I shot a seven-pointer. And then they changed Ooh. the following year. They pushed it a year back. They pushed it a, a week back. So now it's around the September 9th, September 11th. This year it's on the 11th. And there some are. Some are coming out, but I think most are out. But it's it, you, they vary. It just that time just is a yeah, no, it depends. Mm-hmm. It depends. My area, most of the time they're out. Okay. So, I I really want to hear the story about the velvet buck. Like I want to hear what happened. What you what you know? Tell us about that day. You know, you're not used to hunting them. I yeah. never got a chance to really hunt them when they were in velvet. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is still back when we didn't have cell cams. We had, you know, regular cams, but we didn't have the cell ones where it sent you right to you, so you had to go and check your camera. Mm-hmm. And then you see the bucks on there, you're like, oh, this is, it's a good spot. I've been hunting in the area for years, but now there's this decent seven-pointer that's showing up. And I'm like, I've never shot one in velvet. I don't really care. This is before the business that I started the business, so I'm the first. If I get a shot at this buck, he's, he's getting it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking one in velvet. It's, it's a goal. I've always wanted to take one in velvet. And they're giving me the opportunity. I'm taking one. So it was a decent two and a half, seven. And, you know, he came out to a, to a uh, acorn patch. And I just double-longed him. And I was the happiest guy on the planet. Because I was like, I never shot one in velvet. Now I got one in full melt in velvet. And uh, I wound up just mounting it. And it's not a huge deer. But it was good enough for one in velvet. I thought it was unique. And I enjoyed that hunt. I, I really did. I enjoyed that. I, I, you know, I get a little jealous. You see the guys in Kentucky. I mean, there's <laughs> velvet bucks that are, you know, hammers out there. Oh, yeah, my like, oh, God. It's August. It's like August 30th, and they're like, oh, open a day. And I'm like, yeah. Are you kidding me? This is great. 
could, you could let that you could let that buck grow a little bit with that velvet if it's shooting in August. <laughs> Yeah. Right, well, it looks a lot. They look a lot bigger, obviously. So, you know, we had a hush on Hunters United for Sunday Hunting, which, you know, they walked us through all the political stuff, all that kind of stuff. And then we had another guest on that brought up about, um, you know, we have to watch to make sure the population is okay before we have Sunday Hunting. You know, we don't want to just, which I do agree with, you know, you don't want to just jump into Sunday Hunting right away and the population might not be able to sustain it. Um, But then again, if Sunday Hunting's really... If we if the Senate if it's passed Sunday hunting what was it six oh seven six something Bill six oh seven something like that yeah um, if it passes it's going to allow the Game Commission to make the call if Sunday hunting is okay which then I imagine they would look at the science part of it you know and that's you know it, it's a you don't want the deer population to go extremely down you right know, you, and, and, yeah. and I'll give Jersey props for this is that they only allow Sunday bow hunting not gun hunting. So yeah. that helps keep the population down because you know, guys who shoot rifles, you can shoot them at, at you know at a distance. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter. You're gonna kill the, you're gonna get the, the deer are gonna get down. So without the gun hunting end of it and just the bow hunters, it just allows the bow hunter to get on his buckle maybe or lucky on a Sunday. Yeah. And let's face it, there's still a lot of people that don't hunt on Sundays because they're too busy with family, mm-hmm. church, sports. So it really, it's not as much as you think. If it if the population in Jersey hasn't, you know, totally tanked because of it, it won't happen in Pennsylvania. Yeah, and I, I would completely be all for all Sundays in archery. Like, I would, because, like, 
I've I grew up a gun hunter, so like I I love rifle, I do. But rifle is just a different atmosphere. You know, it's it, archery is just like, man, I just love that. I love that, you know, getting in my zone. Like it's it's out of you sneak up on this buck or, you know, get inside this buck's core area or even a doe's core area, you know, and, and you get to go pretty much almost face-to-face with this buck. Like, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, I'm not about the size, but I'm kind of getting towards that way, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, but, you know, we all want that big buck. We all want a big buck. We want something that we hang on the wall that we enjoy talking about and love showing off. So, I mean, the archery is just like, you, you're in there. You're, you're, you're elbow deep in that shit. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's exactly a great way to put it. I, 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 listen, there's nothing like bow hunting. There's just nothing like it. And, again, like my business, it's, I'm not partial. If, if they open up a season throw, to throw rocks, I'm all for it. I, I don't care. <laughs> you want to shoot them with a gun, you know, anything other than hit them with your car is fine with me. I, I, you know, my business Demolition Derby now. <laughs> gun hunters, crossbow hunters, guys can get out there. I want to see guys hunting and mm-hmm. still enjoying the outdoors. There's not as many of us that are left. Yeah. There's just not. We don't have that upswing of people getting into the hunting, you know, or more into fishing, but not as much hunters that are yeah. taking the tests. And the numbers are down. Yeah. The, I think my age group has a lot to do with hunters still. But oh yeah, I'm yeah. fifty-one. You know, I'm fifty-one, so I know there's a lot of guys at my age, ten years younger, ten years older, that are still hunting their butts off. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a bulk of hunters are. So you know, I'd like to see it replenish. I got two sons. I got one that hunts, one that fishes. Um, they every once in a while, when their sports aren't going back and forth, you know, they're able to switch up and one will hunt, one will fish. Mm-hmm. You know, they get into both. But I got a son going in to play college football. In, in August, so I won't see him as much, and I won't be able to spend as much time with him, you know, in the woods or on the streams fishing. So it's going to be really a unique season all the way around for, yeah. for my life this year. Well, it's funny because you know, at that age, at that eighteen to I'd say twenty three, twenty four, like your focus isn't on like being outdoors or doing that kind of stuff unless you grew up like hardcore into it. You know, like you have sports Absolutely. and then. Yeah, also, you're, like you're, you're absolutely right. What when you're when you're eighteen, twenty four? Let's all be honest. Our focus on women. Like, yes. <laughs> if you're a guy, like you, you're all about that woman, you know. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. But I tell you what, I did find my time, regardless, to get out there and bowl. <laughs> 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 I, yep. I was just, you know, I had a, I had a Mustang. I was driving out there with my Mustang, scraping curbs to get up into, you know, into little sections to park and going out for my Mustang to go and hunt in the woods. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture a, a, a buck strapped to the top of your Mustang driving down through town. <laughs> no, I, 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 would, I had a hatch. I had a, you know, the hatchback. Okay, yeah. 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 Just put the head out the back and wrap it in plastic bags. <laughs> and just stick out and I tie it down. Oh, it. Nice. All the way home, all the way into the city. And people in the city, they see that, they're like, you know, they don't know what to say. Well, it also, it, it, was a, it was a much different time back then when, like, you know, you, you like I'm, I'm trying to. I'm not trying to call you old, but I'm. No, you know, I'm but <laughs> but you are older than us, so you know it's it's like you know you see all these pictures of like the deer being shot to the hood of the the the, the uh, blazer or something like that. Like I know my dad did it a few times. You know, it's 
people didn't look down on it as much as they do now. You know, like we're right. you're, you're we're right. the we're the black sheep, really. Yeah, of, that's true. I mean, I got pictures in the '40s of my grandfather and his family coming from up in Stokes Forest in Sussex County, New Jersey, and having them roped to the side of their Cadillacs. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got to see the pictures. They're they're fantastic. You got to send me some. I, I, they're black and white, and they actually got put in the Star Ledger, which is the Newark Star Ledger. It's one of the big papers in New Jersey. Um, they actually got put in the paper, and it was like 1940. Yeah. And they got the picture in the paper with the deer on it, and they're all dressed like Elmer Fudd. You have all the <laughs> fancy camo that we have now. It was all that red plaid and those red Elmer Fudd, you know, Elmer Fudd hats. Yep. They really didn't. Our, even orange at that time wasn't a big deal. You know, they didn't have all the restrictions and the oranges. Yep. that we that we have now you know with rules and regulations they didn't have all that back then so right it was a lot more unique i'm sure back then hunting than it is, <laughs> than it is now with all our rules and regulations that you know we all stick to but yeah it's uh it was a different time it mm-hmm. was a different time you're right it was a different time and uh i wish we could go back to that time oh man oh gosh i mean i, I we have big buck now like going back then i feel like a little six point would have been amazing to get but people back then weren't hunting for the trophy on the wall. They were hunting for the meat. And I mean, I'm still, I'm still hunting for the meat. Put it that way. I mean, that's listen. That's my family did it for the meat. They mm-hmm. weren't worried about how big it is because yep. what they used to do is we had a place called Biazzi's Restaurant in North New Jersey, and my family used to rent that out and have a huge venison dinner. But it wasn't your typical venison dinner. It was a night like the Oscars where you're getting dressed up in suits and ties. And they had giveaways. They had bands. They had a DJ. They had singers come. It was a night, like a big, big night. They had three or 400 people come. Wives, husbands, kids. Um, you know, it was just full of people. So one, most of what they served was venison. So everybody in the area would buy tickets. And they had giveaways. They did everything. And that's the kind of life that I grew up in. You know, having that hunting in a lot of ways saved me. Like, there was things mm-hmm. going on in the streets that my friends were getting involved with. It, and sometimes I was away hunting for a couple of days where I wasn't around. And it saved me from being with them and actually getting in trouble. So the the gift of hunting that was given to me by my grandfather has been cherished. And, and I miss him greatly, but he gave me something that I'm able to pass on to friends, mm-hmm. my own mm-hmm. sons, and family members. And it's been, you know, one of the best things for me as a, as, a, as a person and I just love hunting it's just something that there's nothing like it oh yeah it, it's it's something you can't compare anything to it because like you know your sons and your both your sons are in sports um I mean they can contest, contest to it just like I can like you love sports when you're in high school you do yeah. you, you, it's yeah. like your true passion and then you get out it's like okay if I don't make it to the NFL or NBA or I don't know, FIFA, or I don't know what soccer is. Um, oh, the, the that year, was FIFA. Yeah, FIFA. There we go. Um, NHL, uh, that kind of stuff. Like, y- you got to find something out you're passionate about. And hunting takes that spot for a lot of people if you are if you have that inkling for it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I've been fortunate enough to be able to hunt elk and yeah. get an elk. And hunt what, mule deer and get a mule deer and take whitetails in, in Idaho and, and you know, and be able to hunt in Illinois and, and Virginia, Maine, and obviously the closer states all around me. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been fortunate. And I really, you know, you, the one thing about it is, though, is when you go out west, there's just nothing like it in the world. There's nothing. At the west, you know, 
song, The West is the Best, whatever it is, that mm-hmm. little part in it, The West is the Best. It's one of the most unbelievable places uh, I've ever seen. And I've been lucky enough to be in almost every state out there, Arizona, Nevada, I mean, you name it. I've been there, Wyoming. And, and it's, it, there's nothing like the West. But the hunt, white tails in the West with a rifle, it's, it, it's, it's on a different level. It's, yeah. it's just unbelievable. It really is. I, I would love to go out West elk hunt rifle. And like, just take like a, just a long poke. Like, I don't even care if it's, it could be a 150 yard poke. I don't care. Like, you know, just anything. Like, it'd be just cool to be able to, it'd be different to feel that kind of emotion. Like, I don't know if I would feel the same, like when I do for archery, like when that deer's 20 yards in front of me compared to an elk that's 200 plus yards away. You you, you can't even express the feeling. Yeah. And the difference in the two. Okay. Because when I, I'm out there hunting with Red Creek Outfitters, who's no longer in existence, um, they were a great family out there. My cousin had a good relationship with them, and he went out there multiple times. And he's like, "You got to come." So I we got I actually bought a double tag, a mule deer slash elk tag, so I could take either one. And we went out there, and these guys were unbelievable. Not only was the food fantastic, the place you stayed was fantastic. The guides were amazing. They knew everything. They knew every nook and cranny of the property where to go. And we went out, and I was uh, 32 when I went out there in 02. And the guide was the father of the, of the of all the other guides. There was like five boys, and uh, he was like in his 60s at the time. And I'd never seen a guy climb mountains and walk over mountains like it was nothing. And we were dying. Oh, we were 32, I was dying. <laughs> and this guy was walking us like it was like he was walking on flat ground. I couldn't imagine how great this guy was. And the second day out, early afternoon, like we just had lunch, we got out about one o'clock, and we're walking through this area with quaky trees. They're all white with little black spots on them. A lot of people, you know, talk about them. They're really cool looking. You see them on a lot of elk pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did a call while it was just starting to snow. And the bugle that hits you so loud, that screech goes through you. And the excitement that you feel, it. The, the guy looked at me, he heard how close the, the call was, and he goes, just get down. So I got down, and as I picked my rifle up and looked through the scope, the elk walked in the scope, and I just shot and dropped him. Oh. 90 yards. It was not... Now, you get it, and you, you know, I'm from Jersey. You're not yeah. used to seeing a, a Toyota. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was like, what? Like, I, you start walking up to it, and you really feel an accomplishment. Yeah, you killed an animal, and you're appreciative of it, but the size... The beauty of the animal, mm-hmm. the, the smell that's different, just everything is different. They... And then even when you take it home and you eat it, I could not imagine an elk backstrap and what would be better. There's, I, I, I love backstraps, I love venison, I eat it in every form that you could imagine. There's nothing like elk. There's nothing like elk. Yeah. Nothing, especially a backstrap from an elk. I, I never tasted anything so good. That was by far my favorite meat. So, being from Jersey, was that the first time you saw an elk? Yep. Really? Oh, that was the first time? Oh, my gosh. And I just popped him right in the heart. And, in fact, the, the bullet from a 7-millimeter Remington got lodged on the other side, and they found it in the skin, and they gave it to me. So, I was able to take that home, and I still have it today. They popped the two ivory teeth out of the back, and I made a little chain with the 7-millimeter round. The, uh, the, piece, the shell itself and the two uh, ivory teeth that came out of the animal. Nice. Oh my god. That's awesome. That, yeah, that, that's that that's a trophy on top of another trophy. 
Yeah. Like well, that. You ate it, it was another trophy. Oh, yeah. Nothing like the meat. I'm telling you, backstrap, elk backstraps are unbelievable. I, someday, someday I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Either it's gonna be in PA when I'm 75, or because. <laughs> listen, I would say save your ducats and go because I'm telling you, if you go with a good guide and they get you an elk, you will be just one of the happiest people. It's and I shot a big one. It wasn't. It was like a 280 inch six by five. It was huge. Yeah. And now, now I went there with my cousin and his friend. We had five tags. Uh huh. It was a five-day hunt. By the fourth day, we, we shot five animals. We were done. Jeez. We, we shot three elk and two mule deer in four days. Holy the last crap. day, we spent around the table laughing, drinking, and playing cards and eating. That's what we did for the last day and a half. And then we went home. But it was, it was a, remember, it was just after 9-11. It was 2002. Yeah. So that was still heavy on people's minds. And yes. It mm-hmm. was late October when we went out there. And, you know, the people out there from Jersey so they really talked to us a lot they wanted to hear a lot mm-hmm. about what went on back down back you know back east and and you know there was a lot of conversation throughout the whole five days there was a lot of other guys in the camp there wasn't that many there was like 10 other guys yeah including us three and you know they were all from more parts of the country but nobody was from the east so it became a full reported conversation the whole time yeah there. well I'm sure like you know being a fireman like that took a heavy toll on you and it made you feel more relaxed the fact that they would talk to you out there and you know they just didn't treat you like one, anyone else like it was they put you up higher because you're back from back east and you went through that situation like we all yeah. went through it but yeah. you were there like you were in that area yeah you'll, you'll, you'll laugh you know where i was i was on my honeymoon in egypt when that happened oh, oh wow i was on, on a cruise a mediterranean cruise and we were at the Sphinx, and I was standing on top of the pyramid when that happened. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, you want to talk about unique where people were? You should have seen the city of Cairo when they took us home from the Sphinx, how they were cheering and burning tires. Like, I thought there was a party. We didn't know really what went on until we got back on board, and then it was all over, you know, the news. Jeez. So that's how we found out. But they were cheering. We didn't know what was going on, and... It was really odd. So that's where I was. I wasn't even home. I was on my honeymoon. I just oh. I got married. I oh, just wow. I got married. I got married on the 31st. It was the second week of our cruise. Wow. And I was in Egypt. Yeah, when that happened. So Jeez. talk about people out of place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Egypt. Yeah. I, was yeah, yeah, I was in second North, grade. I was in North Africa at that time. Yeah, I was in second grade at that time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got to go so home early from home, school. So when I got home, you know, it was... Oh, yeah. A lot yeah. of guys that I that I came on the fire department. A lot of guys that I was on the fire department with were were there for weeks. Yeah. Um. Some of them got sick. Some of them got cancer. Um. Some of them were founded early and got lucky enough to to live a long life. But a lot of them got sick from being out there. You know, I I got stranded. I couldn't get home for an extra four days. So after our two week cruise, I had another four days. I was stuck in Spain. We were stuck in Spain, and then they they released us to come home. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so it took me an extra, I got an extra couple of days off of work. That was about the only possible. Man. But it, it, I just wanted to be home, you know, after that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to be, it was hard to kind of be happier on your honeymoon and that happened. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's on the back of your mind the whole time. So, I, I know when I go on a hunt, I love the camaraderie. When you were out there hunting for elk, 
what was better to you? Was it the actual harvest themselves, or was it the camaraderie back at camp that last day when you got to drink and play cards and hang out with the guys, you know, that kind of stuff? See, for me, I've been doing this my whole life. Mm-hmm. So that's like the normal. Some guys will take a day off or two and just enjoy the, the whole atmosphere of being somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, we used to do a whole week where my family would get together the week of gun season in New Jersey, and they'd rent out a whole motel. That's how many of us there were. Holy crap. Have, you know, we basically have dinner every night together. So for me, the pictures that I have over all these years of doing this from when I was a little kid all the way up into my grandfather and all his uncles passed away, my uncles passed away. Once they all passed, you know, we, we didn't carry it as much as they did. Um, but at the same time, the camaraderie is what it's all about. It's family, mm-hmm. it's friends, drinking, eating, having a good time, listening to the stories, you know, listening to the old timers, the new ones, the guys in between, and everybody being a part of it. Having a little fire outside is always a good way to do it. And, yep. You know, having a nice shot of whiskey or something, but it ain't so bad either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't complain about that. I see, you, I see you guys enjoy your beer, so, you know, when I do come, I'll bring you something. Yep, we enjoy our beer, that's, that's for sure. sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's... So, yeah, but it, I, I uh, like I said, I, I myself, I, I was very lucky growing up. Yeah. To grow up in a family that hunted and fished. Like I said, they fished on the Jersey Shore. I had uncles that had boats, so we were always on a boat, striper fishing, fluke fishing, whiting fishing, wing fishing, cod fishing. We did it all. Crabbing. Forget about the crabs. That was that was the main focus of what we loved to do as kids. You know, they <laughs> get us on these little boats out, out in um, Matita Comp down in New Jersey, and uh, we would crab our butts off. And, it was, <laughs> you know, we looked forward to doing it every year. So, like I said, I, I come from obviously an Italian family, so, you know, there was spaghetti and crabs on weekends <laughs> when we were, you know, every weekend when we were, you know, crabbing at that time. And I, I, there was not those times were just, you know, I miss those times. That's a very interesting mixture to me. Spaghetti and crabs. Yeah, well, you put, you make, you break the crabs down, you clean them. Yeah. You fry them up in garlic, and then you put them in what some people call sauce. I happen to call gravy. It's the same thing. And then you let it cook down, cook down, and then you just put the gravy in with the with the spaghetti. You mix it all together, and you got that fish gravy taste to the macaroni, and you eat the, the crabs, you you know, you just eat them, and they taste fantastic with the gravy after sitting in it for so long. Different kind of meat sauce right there. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Absolutely. It's that a meat gravy. It's a me- I'm sorry. It's a meat gravy. It's a fish gravy. That's what we call it. There, there we go. go. There we go. Fish, fish gravy, gravy sounds crab, good. Or crab gravy. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that was a big thing, and, and, you know, on weekends we would always uh, wind up having that, and fresh crabs was huge. A lot of people that'll hear this that are from Jersey that are down maybe, you know, the Jersey Shore or have been through this over the years, they know what I'm talking about. The Jersey crabs are fantastic. I haven't had them. No, I have to go get some. Yeah. I have to go get some. <laughs> I got to get some <laughs> Jersey, Jersey crabs now. Jersey blue claws. Jersey blue claws. <laughs> so, the, the one thing that I know I use this year from you was the rut pack right i i want this is my first year trying it like first year really trying it i'm just now getting into scrapes more all that kind of stuff sense more can you walk us through the best way to use the rut pack well the rut pack consists of three products right it's a buckler designed for this type of you know that type of season which i say start using around August 14th, August 20th is when I start using buckler. Some guys will use it earlier. It's fine then, too. I just, I prefer to use it around October 
15th through the 20th, and then from then on to the end of your bow season. Myself, I don't use as much hot lure as other guys do. I like to use buck lure when I'm hunting bucks. It's an infringement scent. It upsets them a little bit more. If you're grunting or calling, it definitely helps them come in. If you're using a decoy, it's uh, another great way to use it. Um, that's that's one of my top scents that I really use a lot. Mostly, I kill most of my bucks off my buck scent. Okay. Which is which is ruts up buck lore. Okay. Um, it's it's broken down glands from bucks, inner digital gland, a little bit of metatarsal, forehead gland, and on and on. Uh, obviously, buck tarsal also, and that's all in there. You can make trails with it. You can leave it on scent pads. I made it now. I I got a relationship with uh, Fourth Arrow Winsent, and they obviously now made it into the Winsent unit. So that's another great way to get it out in, in the bait machine by using it with their Winsent uh, uh, with their Winsent uh, unit. Yeah. And uh, that's another great way to use it. Which the uh, Hot to Trot also comes in that. Uh, like I said, the Rut Pack also consists of the the Hot to Trot, which again is made with deer glands mm-hmm. and heavy doe hot dough urine that's great for making trails fantastic for using on wicks you can use it in really any way you want to you can use it in a combo with the buck lure you can use it around decoys not on your decoys but around the decoys um then we got into the climax mox grape which is filled with a little bit of everything a little buck a little dough a little mixture of both the urines it's a really great product i decided a few years after I started making it to get it into gels and pastes, the gels work even more unique when you're using that product because you want to go out there, you want to make a mock screen. Yeah. You want to spread the gel out, which is like little, small little gel pieces, sprinkle it out all over it, and now you have yourself a really good mock screen. And what I did was over the years, I had some people talk to me about making preorbital gland. Mm-hmm. Three, three to four years ago, I started making a preorbital gland for the licking branches. For, you know, the hangover to licking branches, I make it in a paste and a liquid, but getting back to the gels, the gels last longer. You don't have to go back as many times to freshen it up rather than the liquid. You need to go back pretty much almost every time you go there. You want to hit it with a couple of shots to freshen it up. Right. The gels last longer. They'll sit in that spot longer. You don't have to go back and leave any human scent around. So that's why I got into the gels because of they're a little bit more weatherproof than the liquid would where eventually it'll wash away and you need to go back and freshen it up. So the gels are a great way to use it. The rut pack, you can switch up with three sprays, one spray, a gel, and a, uh, a paste. You can do it in any variation that you want of the three. Yeah. So I, it appeals to everyone and everybody's way to hunt. I also have a mock screen pack where it has the gel, the spray, and the preorbital in it. You're able to use different variations within that. And then there's... Uh, uh, not a rough pack, but I have another pack that has all the products in it, including the early season lore. A lot of guys take advantage of the early season along with everything else, and they'll just store that stuff till yeah. you know, that, those type of years come. And again, they're all interchangeable. You can, on the website, you can pick paste for one and gel for the other, and works out really well. But being a, a, a little inventive and, and trying to keep up with the times, and you know, me being a small company, I don't have scientists that work for me I don't have you know all these big things that go on with these bigger companies and hundreds of people working for you and all these ideas mm-hmm. everything comes from me yeah. it doesn't come from anyone else I make my own stuff and when people call the number they get me Yeah, I talk to them I'm the owner 
I make it, I'm responsible for whatever I put out. So I, I've, I've been told numerous times I have the best customer service on the planet <laughs> because, I, because the people speak to the owner. They yeah. don't get yeah. anyone else. You know, and I send out an information sheet with every mm-hmm. uh, product that's yep. bought so people can read it, learn what every product does, and at the end it tells you how to store the product where if you have anybody's urine base floor, you want to squeeze the air out of the bottle and tighten it, put it in the back of your refrigerator, and next year, it's good. Okay. I don't I don't sell anything old, but I tell people, if you have it, save it, but squeeze the air out of the bottle. Right. Keep it out of the sun, keep it out of the heat, no sitting in your garage all summer long, it don't work like that. Yeah. yeah. Refrigerator, and it'll be just as good next year. That's for the guys that have extra left. If you yeah. don't, that's fine. You just buy fresh stuff every year, which is all I sell is fresh stuff. Yeah. So, you know, aging sometimes of urines aren't a bad idea. Mm-hmm. For lure makers, it's different than urine salesmen. There's a lot of companies out there that are just urine salesmen. They're just filling bottles with urine and going here. This is great. Yep. You know, yeah. there's no real work that has to be done to that. Where I'm have to go to butcher shops, I have to go to taxidermists, and I have to get all these glands mm-hmm. from Pennsylvania, New York, and New Jersey. I have a bunch of friends that I've made friends with over the years, and, you know, you take care of them, they give you the, what you need, and that's what I've been doing for years, is collecting and using the glands and, and adding them into my urines and formulas that I came up with myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like that gel gel idea you have. Yeah. That, would, that would work well for us even up at the ca- like up at our cabin mm-hmm. you know we don't get to go up i mean as often if it was up to me and i had all the time in the world i'd be up there every week i'd, I'd love it up there but maybe once every other weekends mm-hmm. at best so having that gel to last longer that would help so much right. and, and it just doesn't come in the mock scrape you can get the gel in a hot dough you can get the gel in a buck lure um that you can you know you you don't have to stick to the mock scrape stuff. You could basically make your own mock scrape with the buck lure and the hot lure and, you know, make it more of like a breeding scrape where, yeah. you know, you'll see a lot of three by fours or five by fours, but when you see one eight by eight or eight by nine or real big like that, that's a breeding scrape. You want to get on that and hunt those and, you know, that those are really, they're like the size of a car hood. That's about yeah. the size of what they are. And when you see them, you know, that's a really great spot to be. But getting uh, the, the buck and the hot dough lure out definitely helps you out. That's why I decided to make the gels, you know, pretty much universal. You can use the, any one of them are available in it. Yeah. And you, you can make early season using some of the early season stuff. And this year, obviously, I had to get into the set synthetic form of things. Mm-hmm. So I made a calming scent, which I really, really like now, early season. Um, if the wind ain't right, you know, you put it out there on wicks, it kind of, just keeps them calm mm-hmm. even if the wind isn't perfect and they pick up a little something especially early or late season i find it really works good they're so amped up during the rut you know buck lure and hot dough is really all you need but this keep them calm product that i made they really really helps out it, it's it's a good product and you know there's not a ton of guys that are into using early season lures or even into mock scrapes early season mm-hmm. and really bucks use scrapes and those use scrapes all year long in yes. certain areas Yep. And they definitely use licking branches all year long. Oh, my gosh, yeah. All year long. So the paste that I make that's a preorbital paste, that lasts two, three weeks on anything you want to put hanging over, whether okay. you have a vine, whether you have overhanging branches, and it's weather.
waterproof. Um, it's completely waterproof. Like for two to three weeks, you're going to still have it on your limbs, overhanging mm-hmm. branches. So it really works well in conjunction with everything else that I do. I was so glad that I had a few people over the years bitch to me about not having it. And then when I made it, they were like, you did that for me? I'm like, absolutely. And it turned out to be now one of my best-selling products. Yeah, I know, I know I'm know. i definitely going to be ordering the Rut Pack again. I got that this year. Some opened up on me, and it all came out, which is on, which is on me. Um, it was literally on me. Um, but uh, I'm definitely going to be... Oh, I smell fantastic. I did not get a deer that day, though. Um, <laughs> uh, but when would be the best time to order from you for the rut pack? Because I do, I think I'm almost out of your pre-orbital. Because next weekend we have the uh, Big Mountain Challenge scouting trip up my cabin. I have some of that left, which I'm going to put on some licking branches in front of my trail camera that I get to use. Um, but I definitely need to order more of that. Uh, so Because now that I know what I'm doing, last year I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Uh, this year I have more of a grasp of common knowledge, I guess, with deer. Um, right. You know, I'm I'm more on the basic level now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited to start using the product that you have the right way. Right. Yeah. And not have it spill all over you. And correct. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 I, I'm sure that one thing. Or my backpack. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. But that smell is like part of my life from August, from late July, August, right on through till December. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't even smell it anymore at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of gels and sticky messes and everything, uh, I saw that you upgraded the skein. Yes. Want to um, tell me about that? Because I'm interested. It's, it's, it's been a battle for me with the product. <laughs> um, I wanted to do. I wanted to make salmon eggs. I wanted to make a salmon egg line. That was mm-hmm. my idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really hard to get salmon eggs in the size that you would want, and you would think that it wouldn't be, but it is because a lot of the bigger companies kind of have contracts, and they can't really sell you what you want. Mm-hmm. Some of the companies I got in contact with, you can get them. They're more for personal use rather than trying to make a line of product out of it. So I haven't had a lot of success where I was trying to get them from. If I go to a one specific area to get them, I can get them, but it's a lot of time. It's a few days to do it, and I really don't have 
go about that. So the one area that I called for them, they kind of explained we really can't do this, but we can do skiing. And I'm from Jersey. You know, I, I really never do a lot of salmon fishing up in New York. I've done it a couple times. Um, I've had some success doing it, but I've never really been into the salmon fishing or into skiing. So when I, when this guy told me about it, I was like, well, look, you're going to have to send me it down. I don't even know what it is. I could look at all the pictures, but I don't know how it's going to work for me. Yeah. He sent me some stuff and it was during trout season. So I grabbed some of it and I go, okay, what can I do with this? It, it looks great. I want to go fish with it. Let me see how this is going to work. But what else can I do with this? <laughs> how am I going to market this? Yeah. Um, so I, I proceeded to cut pieces and dive size and I proceeded to cut pieces all the way up to a quarter size in between the two, you know, odd, mm. nothing special shapes or nothing, just do it. Put it in a jar, put it in, put some uh, garlic scent in it. I do a lot of garlic usage with when I trout fish. Um, and then went out to the stream. And I would never in my life ever use a salmon egg again for anything. I would never buy a salmon egg. There is nothing like skiing for trout. Nothing. And, it's, and Jersey again, we only have rainbows. There are a few in different fish in between. But since whatever went on with the hatchery, I don't even want to get into that. That's another sore point. <laughs> but we only have we only have we only stock rainbows now. So with that being said, this product works great on rainbows. Okay. Now, if I found out the year that specific year that it worked great on browns and brooks and everything, but I had originally tested it on rainbows and the COVID season. Nobody was fishing. And I took my son, who was probably 11 at the time, or 10 at the time, 11 at the time, and we went to one of my local spots, and I only live like two miles from it. We drove over there on opening day, and there wasn't a soul out. It was me and him. And we proceeded to catch 89 trout, and all on the skein, and I just could not imagine. I was like, how am I going to market this? So many different ways and things came in my mind. I was trying to use salt and it crystallized and they turned hard um i was adding different glycerins or mineral oil to try and add it in there and they got too sloppy mm -hmm. i couldn't i couldn't figure out how to like it really what to do so then i said okay let me try vegetable glycerin but let me try it on a lower amount yeah and it went okay but it still was too messy and it just wasn't where i wanted to be so this year i just came up with not using anything and just cutting the pieces up and using making sure the top had a, one of those white seals in there mm -hmm. so it, no air got in and that seems to be the way to do it you okay. don't add anything just add the scent in whether it's a corn scent a shrimp scent a herring scent or the garlic scent and that's all you need and that's where I'm at now and that's I think I've now got it uh, less is more this is definitely proof of that less <laughs> is more so so it it's like I can't believe how good the product is um, it comes in two colors. It comes in a natural, and then it comes in, in um, like a hot pink reddish, um, already cured and everything, so it's all ready to go. You just pop it out. The hardest thing for a new guy that's trout fishing is when he opens it is to get by what it originally looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you look at it, you're like, what did I just buy? <laughs> and then, so the guys that use power bait probably don't get as freaked out as the regular guy, mm -hmm. and I don't really use power bait, but... You open it up and you gotta just pull out a piece of it and put it on your hook and when you start fishing you'll be happy with it yeah it's, it's a great product i wouldn't sell it if i didn't think that it worked i've caught a ton of monster 
tried over the last two years on it. I swear by it. I I, I don't. I would never go and buy mealworms. I'll never go and buy uh, butterworms. I'd never go and buy anything. I'll just use this and spinners from here on in. That's how good it works. That I've been trout fishing my whole life. And the last few years, I've had an opportunity to fish with something that I think is foolproof. Now, here's the, here's the unique thing about it. It doesn't work as good during the fall. Ooh. That's, that's a, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I got my butt out there. I got my buck this year. I got a decent eight point. I ran out there to trout fishing in October. And I was trying to, I knew the fish were there. They weren't hitting the scheme. They weren't hitting it. So I went right to spinner, and I started killing them. So oh, I was using geez. the garlic on the spinner, the garlic rolling on the spinner, the garlic, yep. I'm big with the garlic, I told you that. So that was working really good. They did not. Now, I, it may work different in other places, but in October, it didn't work. And I was a little taken back by that because I'm like, this is foolproof, and it just didn't yeah. work. So I know there is a, there's it's it's a spring, it's a summer product, and that's the way I market. That, that's perfect. Yeah, because I have, I got one. I don't remember what flavor I have. I have that. I got your spinners. They might be the shrimp, the shrimp right. right now. But I have that. Um, because I remember using it last year. I mean, I loved <laughs> it. I caught a bunch of fish. But I remember just looking at my hands. I was like, oh, my oh, God. hands <laughs> because last year I was using vegetable glycerin. Normally, when you go out and fish and just say you're using anything else, you know, after tying all day, those hands are like sandpaper. Yeah. yeah. Your, your hands were not like sandpaper. They were like a baby's butt. Because that vegetable I couldn't believe what it did to my hands. And I told you, I've been fishing forever. So my hands are always, during this type of season, destroyed from, they're like sandpaper from so much fishing and tying knots and everything else. I used that with the vegetable blister, and my hands were perfect. I was like, oh, this is great. (laughs) Now I know I really can't use the vegetable blister anymore, so it's going to go back to what it was before. (laughs) Yeah. No, I had, um, I said, I got your spinners. I got those, and I got a roll. I wanted to try the roll, and I got, you know, the gar- garlic seems to be, you know, the flavor of the day. So I got the uh, the garlic roll on, and I'm, I haven't gotten a chance to go out. It's too cold for me. I haven't gone out fishing yet, but opening day is tomorrow. Sunday we're going out. And so, yeah, we're going out Sunday, so I'm, I can't wait to start using that. And Oh, please send me some pictures. I, I'd appreciate it. love to get them up on there, and... Like I said, it's been a, it, the, the bait itself is it's different to get into something, but I've always been a whitetail guy mm-hmm. and a trout guy. I oh, love yeah. to fish Jersey Shore, etc. but those are my two niches. So I always wanted to do something with trout, and this gave me the opportunity. And then I said, okay, I really would like to make spinners, and now I'm into that. And, you know, I'll start doing some different color ones and other things next year, but it's definitely something that I'm really happy I got involved with, for sure, is the spinners and the bait. Oh, yeah. How... Now, this would be the first time I've ever used a roll-on. How, I mean, for how much do you put on? How often do you have to reapply it? It doesn't matter how much you put on. That's up to you. Okay. Reapplication is, once you see it not on, on the spinner, just do it again. You know, maybe four, five, six casts, you got to hit it again. But, you know, you can hold it up to your nose, and pretty much if you can smell it, it it's also a little bit of, People don't know, but you leave oil on those things, so that there is a human scent that does get on there. Using yeah. the garlic will cover it up a little bit. It'll cover it up, and I found that you know over the years that they love garlic. That they just love garlic. They love corn. They like garlic. They like shrimp. Obviously, all the companies for years with the uh, 
salmon eggs, they make them scented and shrimp flavor and garlic flavor. Well, there's a reason why, because they really work. Yeah. And that's why I yeah. got into it. So, but I, I just think that I would, I sat next to a buddy who brought his salmon eggs and we were laughing and I said, I'm going to outcatch you three to one. It was more like six to one. <laughs> oh, wow. With the salmon eggs. And here's the other thing. The scheme stays on better than any salmon egg ever would. So, it, it just... You know, you, you're cast with one salmon egg. You take it back in, it's gone. You're on another one. And if you look at the size of the jars that are $5 for, I don't know, maybe 30 of them in there. Yeah. Maybe 30. They're like one ounce for five bucks. It used to be like four ounces for five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> now it's one ounce for five bucks. You're getting 25 in there. You know, minor, minor 10 bucks, but you're getting like 50 of them in there and they're real bait. They're not... You lose out of 30, you're probably losing 5 to 10 from casting, which that doesn't happen with the skin. Right. It doesn't yeah. happen. It stays on because that, that skin is skin connected to sam, little salmon eggs. So when you put it in there, it just locks on, on the skin and onto the hook a lot better. And, and I, I fish a lot. So I, I fish with, uh, I'll use a gold hook, size 6 or 8. Some guys will use smaller, but I use size 6 or 8. 12 to 16 inches, I'll put a split shot. And that's how I fish it. I get down the bottom, I reel it in slow, and then I just keep doing it. That's okay. what I keep doing. And I know I got four, five, six casts easy without it coming off or having an issue with the skin. Okay. Yeah, I'll be I'll be going out a lot. Hopefully I can get out a lot fishing this year and I'll be using your stuff. Because I've grown up, all I've ever used was earthworms or corn. Like that was it. That's all I ever used. And it worked, yeah, it worked, so obviously I kept using it, but then started, you know, expanding my horizons a little bit and right. got into spinners. And as soon as I saw you had spinners, I was like, done, I'm buying them. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was sold. Trust me, it was, it's been something that's been on my mind for the last couple of years. I want to do spinners, I want to do spinners. I finally said, all right, I'm going to do it. And then I just did it, and believe me, I, it, it, it wasn't easy to learn. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit, it takes a little bit of a knack. It's like making turkey calls, you know. Yeah. It, Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little YouTubing, a little talking to certain people, and before you know it, you're on your way. And it's kind of the same thing with, with spinners. So you just, once you get the knack of it, it's, it's nothing anymore. So I just know that over the years I've used bronze, which works the best on rainbows by far. Mm-hmm. Gold, gold spinners, they work fantastic on palominos, golden trout, and rainbows, but they also really work specifically good on those. You'll catch your browns and stuff on them, but Palominos, your golden trout, you guys have in Pennsylvania that mm-hmm. we don't have in New Jersey that I'm very jealous over. <laughs> is the Palominos, they work great on those, the gold ones, and then the silver work pretty much universal on them all. But my favorites, when I'm gonna, if I know I've got a bunch of rainbows, which Jersey only has, the bronze are the best. Bronze are the best. I'll make sure to catch a Palomino. I don't think I've ever caught. There's one up fire yeah. in my cabin. I know there's one. There's always, we have a spot that me and my dad always go to. When we go up to our cabin, we see a palomino every year, mm-hmm. and that thing is the hardest fish to catch because it just ignores you, and you could see it uh, swimming the whole time. There, there's a few things about them: you got to antagonize them, and they get aggressive. So it means you got to keep going at them, even when you think you're not. You are. You'll see them follow the bait. I've caught them off uh, worms before, and they don't like no little garden worms. They like the big, the big bangers, the night crawlers. Yeah. So I would cut the night crawlers in half and kind of slide it onto the hook where just you don't really see the hook and they would go after it and 
then I, like I said, I noticed that they really like gold spinners and fast water, fast water gold spinners. They really work really well. I, I don't know how many over the years. I used to belong to a trout club for about ten years, and that's all I would use on them would be worms for the palominos or gold spinners. Now I haven't had the opportunity to take my bait and go after them with it, so I really can't give anybody information on how the scheme would work. But yeah. I can guarantee if it catches rainbows and everything else, it's going to catch them too. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I'll be sure to send you lots of pictures. <laughs> but you know, hope I, fingers crossed, I, I, I get I, one. Yeah. I got rid of the fishing page, and I just said, I'm just going to post everything to Rat Getter, and I'm just going to do the turkey page separate because yeah. I have a lot of I have a lot of guys online that are deer guys and deer guys only. And yeah. they go dormant during this type of year, and they come back out during deer season. Yeah. I have a, it's really a lot of guys that are deer guys, and that's what mostly my page is. But to break it up and to show people what I'm doing, I, I that's why I built the business the way I did. Mm-hmm. From, yeah, I do deer lure. I do a track dance and I do cover sense and I do calls and you know keep my name my business name in people's minds all year long minerals fishing turkey calls everything that I could do I wanted to be involved with because I don't want to be you know just a part-time business I want to be a Mm full-time business yeah now that I'm retired I can devote all my time to it so this year with everything else I've been doing that's new I'm going to be uh I made my own deer blocks. I have my a company that I signed with to make my company deer blocks out of my feed. They okay. had to do some twists and turns to make it into a block, but they were able to do it, and this will be the first year that I end up making deer feed blocks. Oh, wow. Cool. Nice. Yeah. This this completes the pie. I had everything yeah. you know, that you could think of from the wind scent vape units to you know just everything else in attractants. This is the only thing that's been eluding me, and now I finally found people that are willing to do it and ship it and you know that it, it's a nightmare, <laughs> it's a nightmare. <laughs> i finally got it done and, and it's yeah, hopefully the first or second week of june i should have about 10 pallets of uh of blocks and start getting it in the stores from that point on because they're nothing that goes bad and every store could sell them and yeah. guys love them and yep. you know even in pennsylvania guys use them regardless they're they're for sale in the walmart's out there so oh they yeah be for sale in the oh. stores out there you know, yeah so I'll be putting them in every store that I could I could get them in. Awesome. So, I know you got a buck this year. I have two. Right. Two? Okay. Tell us the story behind your favorite buck this year. You know, I had three or four bucks that... I'm hunting a new piece of property. I, I, I have 200 acres. Me and my cousin have a, a block of 200 and a buddy of ours that we have 200 private. Uh, my cousin has 14 acres of his own. Um... And we got to be friendly with the guys who hunt across the street from us. And they're, some of them are a little older, and they lost some guys, and they asked us to get in, and we got in. And they've been nothing but tremendous guys. They, they're they out there, again, the camaraderie end of it. They're out there every weekend burning wood, cooking, drinking, having mm-hmm. a good time, and then they go and hunt for the weekend. Yeah. And uh, I, I was on their one of their pieces of property that we picked up, which is a great farm, and I noticed where a couple of bucks kept kept coming close to where I would park and they had made soybean this year instead of corn so they could see my truck and they were actually blowing at my truck they were my truck was just parked and they were blowing at it <laughs> so I picked up on what they would do so I, I figured all right I can't park here I gotta park in a different spot mm-hmm. and once they would come out they would come into this little patch of woods where there was some acorns falling and I had baited and I had a camera up and they kept coming out so 
I was trying to kill this really big seven, but he, he was mostly with the does. And he was just kind of always at odd times. And, you know, with the cell cams now, you get everything sent to your phone. You know when they're there. Mm-hmm. You know you got to take advantage of it. So when you get that picture, you got to get your butt in the trick. Yeah. So there was another eight I was trying to kill that he looked like a mainframe six, but at the end he had splits. You know, at the end he just had two splits, so it made him an eight. And he wasn't wide, but he was super high, like 18 inches off the top of his head, and he had a pretty good mass to him. So I said, all right, you know, it's either the seven or him. I'm not doing nothing on the other piece. I'm not seeing much, so I'm going to hunt these two deer. And boom, one morning, seven o'clock, I'm not hunting that day. I got things to do. He pops up on camera. I said, I'm going out tonight. And I went after him. And uh, five o'clock, comes strutting across the bottom. He made this big loop around the bait, came right into my uh, my, my rack feet enhancer, and he gave me a perfect broadside shot. And I'm telling you, I, sh- I hit the back of the lung, right through the heart, shot right out the front of him. And I seen him go down from the tree, and I was like, done. Now it's time to go trout fishing. <laughs> <laughs> I, was so happy. I was so happy. I was like, all right, this is great. So, uh, you know, I, I like to get done in the, you know early on. Yeah. And, uh, worked out in my favor. It definitely did. And then October came around, and late October, I got my... I had already bought the permit, so I was ready to go. I got in the tree, and second day I was in the tree, another eight-pointer on a different piece of property who I've had on the camera all year, you know, in velvet and everything. He came chasing a doe, 40 yards. I shoot a gearhead. Uh, a lot of people look at that bow, and they're like, it looks like an erector set. Yeah. I think it more looks like, looks like an arrow with a roll cage around it. Yeah. <laughs> That's I it. But I absolutely love the bow. Um, for my age fire department beat my, my neck up and my back and you know, I'm a smaller shorter guy so I don't have you know it, it just bothers my my back isn't what it used to be my mm-hmm. shoulders ain't what they used to be years of use on the fire department and you know some arthritis and stuff like that so this bow has is a very smooth pulling bow I don't have any relationship with the company whatsoever I just absolutely love the bow I think guys around my age if they have some shoulder issues or things that would really appreciate this type of bow. I got the longer one. It's the 34-inch one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not one of the little short ones that they have. It's, it's the <laughs> long one. I like a longer bow. It's a little bit more forgiving, especially when your eyesight, and I don't wear glasses, your eyesight ain't what it used to be when I was your guy's age. <laughs> so I get out there, the bow is easy to pull back. It's super smooth. It's super quiet. has no hand shock. I just, that, he just came running up at 40 yards. I put it right on him, raised it a little bit. I only shoot with one pin, mm-hmm. zero to thirty. Yeah. So I know where they got to put it just below the spine to drop it in there, and I dropped it right in there at forty. And I was proud. I'm, I'm fifty-one years old. I just popped the buck off at eight yards, at forty yards. I was happy as can be. I've done that quite a few years. Normally my shots are ten and seven and yeah. fourteen yards. Really, that's the way it's been because I, you know, I used to scent and I let them get close and and whatever. But this one, I he wasn't coming. He was going to chase that doe. He stopped right in front of me, and I just put it right through his heart. I couldn't oh. believe it. I was so happy. He ran 40 yards and tanked, and I shot my, that was my second eight point of the year, and I was ecstatic, you know? I, oh, I was man. You know? So, wow. Man, it's, and I, you know, years ago when I was a kid, yeah, I'd go out there and shoot too many. I'd mm-hmm. shoot 10 and 12 and 14 a year, and, you know, at that time, those times when I was a lot younger, the prices were 50 bucks to get a deer process, 60 bucks to get it. Now they're 120. You got all the specialty stuff. You could go for three, four, five hundred on an animal just oh. to get the specialty stuff. Yeah. So, you know, the prices. So now as I've gotten older and kids grew and can't spend money as much on deer hunting maybe as you like to, 
I've become real selective with my bucks and how many deer that I shoot. How mm-hmm. many do I really need? Yeah. So you, you, you kind of go with that level. And as I've gotten older, you know, things change. You get a little bit more where you like to watch them a little bit and enjoy time out in the woods. Not so interested in shooting the smaller bucks. You're trying to get into the bigger deer. And, and that's where I've been in my life probably for the last 10, 12 years. Yeah. Just shooting bigger bucks. And I've shot my share of, you know, big bucks and I enjoy it. But I still get excited about shooting a nice two and a half year old eight or something I've had on camera for a while that I just decide I want to take. I enjoy it. I love it. So it'll be something I do for the rest of my years. And hopefully I pass it on to my sons. And hopefully the business attracts a lot of people to hunting or helps people enjoy hunting and put deer in front of them a little bit more consistent than maybe they're used to. And Mm -hmm. I think my company has a lot to offer guys. And a lot of people have found out over the years that Sense and lures do work. Attractants work. Mm-hmm. Oh, Cover yeah. sets work. Whether it's mine or other people's, they do work. There's mm-hmm. certain times for products, and you got to know how to use them a little bit. And everybody thinks they know how to use lures, <laughs> and, and they most a lot of guys don't, and yeah. they don't get the whole gist of it. And it's not a magic trick. There's a timing, and there's a yep. way, and your positioning of your stand may have something to do with it. Downwind, upwind, you know, kind of certain things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, hunting's got more. Oh, yeah. Bait machines that put out scent. I mean, there's so many yeah. different variations and of things at this point. And I gotta say, you know, I'll give one scent a prop. They have they make a fantastic product, and they they stand by their business. They stand by their products. You know, if I have a product that that went bad on a guy or didn't work or something when it got to him, I just call them. I send him a new one, and they just send me one to replace it without any questions asked. Yeah, they're a fantastic company to work with. That, that that's awesome. So, where can someone follow you? And where can someone, you know, go to buy your products? Ratgettersense.net is my website. Okay. Um, it's just, it just says shit. There's a little tab up at the top that says shop. You click it. You can find turkey hunting, fishing, and the products are there accordingly. Um, there's so many places that you can go now in Pennsylvania. This will be the first year I really hit Pennsylvania hard. New York to get the products. Obviously, all over Jersey to get the products. Um and I, I, I think that it's, uh, I have a lot to offer, guys. Yeah. I, yeah. I have a lot of products, and they're across the board, whether it be bear hunting. Um, I'm going to start getting into a little bit of uh, trapping lures. Okay. I'm definitely digging into that a little bit more. I do make a fantastic, fantastic beaver caster for bear hunting or coyote hunting. It's really a top-notch paste that lasts really long. I could also make it in a liquid where it won't freeze, so you can use it all through the cold days you can leave it in your car it'll never freeze yeah. I have a whole line of attractants that won't ever freeze so you know you don't have to worry about the spray bottle freezing anymore I got you know I really became innovative with a lot of stuff like yeah. that yeah you, you definitely you definitely have Gerard I want to thank you for coming on the podcast again it's always a pleasure talking to you time, guys thank you for having me I really appreciate it like I said I'm just an average guy who owns a company you know just out here like everybody else just uh working hard and take care of my family and enjoying every day that i have on this good earth absolutely man you absolutely well keep in contact i'm sure we'll be in contact again i'm sure we'll do another podcast down the road yeah absolutely i'll be right. interested in doing it i thank you guys so much and best of luck out there with the trout keep me posted oh we'll we do. will man we'll we will do.